Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As I stated at the start of the service, our, our new sermon series is called Words to Live By. And as we look at these different phrases or Bible passages, verses from the Bible, that God gives us direction in our lives, today we're going to focus on Paul's words in Philippians chapter 1. And I know it might sound a little bit strange, especially to students are here today, as we begin a new school year to talk about death. But I think it's important to put things in proper perspective, and I think that's exactly what Paul does for us in Philippians chapter 1. You know the value of a catchy slogan or some words that are easy to remember, and I'm going to prove it to you this morning. So you're going to talk with somebody close to you, and I want to see, just so you know, first service got them all right. So there's lots of pressure on second service. I'm going to give you all these phrases. I want you to talk to somebody and tell me what product that had that slogan or tagline. Go ahead. I'll give you just a couple moments to talk to people who are next to you. Go ahead. All right. Did we make it to the end? Let's try it. You don't have to raise your hands or anything. Just shout out the answers. Just do it. Nike, I'm loving it. McDonald's, America runs on, Dunkin' Donuts, yep, you're in good hands, Allstate, eat fresh, where's the beef, Wendy's, that was for the older people like me who remember Clara Peller looking at the small little burger on the bun, right, yeah, okay, mm-hmm, good, Campbell's Soup, right, broadcast yourself, uh-oh, come on, my, young, my students should know, the students should know this one, YouTube? YouTube is broadcast yourself. That was their tagline. Uh-oh, first service got that one. Okay, once you pop, you can't stop as Pringles, right? You did pretty well. I'll, I'll give you an A- minus for today. But yeah, that, there they all are. Pretty good, right? I mean, you can remember those. I didn't have to give you anything but a couple words, and you knew what the product was based on a slogan that was memorable. How much more do we want to file away in our minds, in our hearts, something that God tells us in his word, something that we can hold on to, something that gives us hope, healing, help in these difficult times? That's what we're going to look at as we look at these words to live by. And today, we'll let Paul ask us this question based on his words, to live as Christ and to die as gain. That's the slogan, that's the motto we want Paul to tell us about today. And here's his question, really, what's better? Living or dying? And as we take a look at that, I think we'll come to the conclusion that Paul does. Neither is better. It's a both and rather than an either or. Because dying is gain, we'll see first. And that makes living something we do for Christ. Do you recall that the letter to the Philippians was written while Paul was under house arrest in Rome? The series of events, the sequence of events went like this. Paul had returned to Jerusalem on his third missionary journey where the Jewish leaders stirred up some trouble for him and basically accused Paul of being a public menace, being someone who was causing trouble by preaching the gospel. Paul was put in prison there in Jerusalem and then later in Samaria and then he appealed as the basis of his Roman citizenship to a hearing before the Roman emperor, before Caesar. All of this because Paul was preaching the gospel. And would we blame Paul if he sat there under house arrest, not a free man in Rome, thinking about why did this happen? I was doing the Lord's will and here I am uh, caught in this situation. 
But that's not how Paul speaks in his letter to the Philippians. As a matter of fact, throughout this entire letter, four chapters long, something you can probably read in 10 or 15 minutes, Paul uses the word joy over 20 times. 20 times he talks about living in joy in spite of the fact that he has been arrested and imprisoned for preaching the gospel. You can understand, I think, someone who's in a situation like Paul was, would contemplate their future. Was he going to get out of prison? Was he going to have a favorable hearing before Caesar? Was everything going to turn out well? Or was this the beginning of the end for Paul? And so he asks that question, which is better? Should I want to go on living or should I think that death is a better option? I think it's probably pretty common for those who find themselves in a situation like Paul was to wonder that question, to wonder, is it just okay if I just want it all to be over? Especially, I suppose, if you were truly guilty of a crime that you had committed and spending that time in prison, there's that difficult choice, like, do I really want this to continue or not? But Paul has a really good reason for asking the question. is isn't about him. It's about how he can best serve God in his kingdom. And so he asks that question, what's better, living or dying? And answer is to me, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Do you have those movies that when you find yourself channel surfing that you see on the screen and you have to pause and stop and watch because it's one of your favorite movies? Is that just me or do others have that? My one that I almost stop for every time is The Shawshank Redemption. It's about 25 years old. I'm not sure if many of the students in here even know what a movie from 25 years old that 25 years ago looks like. But The Shawshank Redemption, is a, it's actually based on a novella by author Stephen King. And it recounts the story of a man who's falsely accused and imprisoned for a murder he did not commit. And for 19 years, as he spends his time in prison, spoiler alert, he digs a tunnel out of prison. And the day before he gets out is kind of the like pinnacle moment of the movie. As he's standing and talking to his friend Red, Andy Dufresne says this. It comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living or get busy dying. Right? Is that what Paul's saying when he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? Maybe in a way. Not to the same level that Andy Dufresne was talking about. Paul doesn't mind the idea of death, but he knows that if he keeps on living, then that's something that will be good. Let's let Paul explain himself in the verses immediately following that statement. Paul writes this, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Gives us a little deeper insight into Paul's words, doesn't it? He says, Lord, if, if you want me to continue, if my life in this world is going to go on, then that's a good thing. That's fruitful labor. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep teaching. I'm going to keep encouraging people with God's word. If we would go on, he even says to the Philippians that he's convinced that he is going to stay because he's going to continue to encourage them in their Christian faith. But do you feel the wrestling match inside of Paul? I'm torn between the two. 
I'm okay if I stay in this earth because I can do things that are good, that serve God, but, but there's something better. There's something better by far, Paul says, and that's to die and be with Christ. Now, maybe we have to understand this a little bit from Paul's perspective. He's probably a man at this time of around 60 years old, and he's seen a lot in his life. If you would to, were to open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you would see a list that Paul gives of all of the things that he went through to face death. Five times he tells us he was given 40 lashes minus one. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned and left for dead. Three times he was shipwrecked. Paul had stared death in the face on more than one occasion. And now it's almost as if he's welcoming it as an old friend. I'm ready, Lord. If it's my time, I am ready to go home. You see, what, what Paul is getting at is the proper perspective. Think about how you and I think of death. Don't we often think of it as losing like, that's the one thing we're trying to avoid. We even speak that way sometimes. Maybe you've heard someone say something like this, Aunt Sally lost her battle with cancer. Or, we're mourning the loss of my grandmother. Right? That's how, kind of how we feel. Like, like we want to do anything to fight to hold on to life in this world. And what Paul is demonstrating today is it's not an either or. We can enjoy life in this world and live for Jesus, but know that ultimately our goal is our eternity in heaven. That's how Paul can say what he says. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, Paul believed what he preached. He believed that there was a savior from sin who had come into this world and taken away his sins and given him the gift of eternal life. And that's what Paul looked forward to. He looked forward to a future where he was going to see the savior face to face forever in eternity. But if you're sitting here this morning thinking, that's not something I like to think about. I just don't want to think about death. It's natural. It's natural to have some fear when it comes to what the end of our life is going to look like. And it's natural because death is actually unnatural. It's not what God wanted for Adam and Eve when he created them in the Garden of Eden. He put them in that garden with a tree called the Tree of Life so that they could sustain their life forever. But you know what happened, right? Adam and Eve ate from the tree that God forbid them to eat from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and sin entered the world. And that's how death has a sting. It's sin that gives death its sting. And there's not one of us in here today that can say that we're without sin. We deceive ourselves if we think that we aren't on the wrong end of God's justice. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And yet, Paul can say, to die is gain. You can have that same confidence. I can have that same confidence because of what Jesus, your Savior, came to this world to do. You see, Christ took your death. He took my death and suffered that death as he defeated sin and Satan for us. And then he left the tomb empty, meaning that our death will never be permanent because we, like Jesus, will rise from death to live forever. That's the joy that Paul had. It's the joy that you and I have too. And it's what puts life in its proper perspective. You see, when dying is gain, when that's how we think, 
that makes living for Christ that much easier. Because we see the end goal. We know where we're going. We know the goal of our faith. And so Paul says living is Christ. Well, what does that look like in our lives today? We're not missionaries. We're not treating or preaching to different congregations. It's simply looking around. Looking around in your life to see who's there to serve. How can I be Jesus to somebody else today? How can I show the love of God to somebody else in my life? I don't often do this, but I'm going to get a little personal in the, in the sermon today. Because I'm going to tell you about a couple of people who belong to this congregation who amaze me with things that they do. I think, I'm going to, this is, I want to be safe here. People like me, who are kind of on the back half of their life, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? People who, like me, we, we've already crested the hill and now we're going down the other side. We sometimes wonder, well, what, what can I do? How do I serve God in my life? We have a 97-year-old man that's a member of this congregation. His name is Robert. And Robert lives in assisted living. He's still very independent. And Robert makes it his goal to talk to everybody about Jesus. And so as I've met with him and taken him to the Lord's Supper, there's now another man who meets with us as well uh, and listens to the devotions. They're both talking about, well, how can we get pastor to come in and have a, a church service with us? It's pretty amazing, the faith that that man lives out at 97 years old. And then I think about Bruce, who for a whole year has been bedridden and yet continues to fight for life because it's his opportunity to share the gospel with those who come into his life, whether it's his family members or the caregivers who are in his home. Bruce's faith is something that he lives for other people. And I think how simple. They don't do anything more than just live in the place that God has given them. But I want to talk to students a little bit today too because about now you're probably thinking, I'm never going back. That guy's talking about death and I'm 20 years old. I don't have to think about death yet. And that's probably true. But can I tell you this? 30 years goes like that. It goes fast. And to have the proper perspective even when you're 20 is a good thing. I love the congregation that I get to serve here at Wisconsin Lutheran Chapel and Student Center because people support this ministry for you, college students, so you can have a place to come and connect with your Savior while you're in some very important years of your life. People give their offerings to this congregation so that you have a student center to study in, a place to come worship, a place to meet Christian friends, to enjoy each other's company because they care about you holding your faith all the way to an eternal life in heaven. That's what God gives us through his word, life. Life with him forever. That's what makes us have the proper priorities in life. Knowing that, yes, God gives us this life to live for him, but something so much better is still to come. Isn't it great that you and I get to live in this world with no fear? No fear because even if the worst thing, death, even if that worst thing happens to me, it's still gain because I'm going to be with the Lord forever. Here are some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, we know our place in heaven is secured and that makes dying gain. Jesus said it this way in John 14, in my father's house are many rooms. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Number two, 
When dying is gain, then we are motivated to live for Christ. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, Christ's love compels us. For we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised to life. Finally, number three, Paul's statement gives us some excellent words to live by. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Maybe some of you can relate to this. I remember being a young lad in a bike ride with my family and we'd always look for the milkweed because all we wanted is to take home a caterpillar that we might be able to put in a jar and keep alive and long enough for it to form a chrysalis and then become a monarch butterfly. Anybody else do that? Just me, okay. Okay, a few others, good, thank you. And really, if you think about it, which would you rather be, the caterpillar or the butterfly? Aren't we right now the caterpillar, waiting for something more beautiful, waiting for something greater to come? And it's okay to enjoy our life here on this earth and live for Jesus to be the best caterpillars we can be. But we're going to heaven. And in that eternal life where we'll be with Jesus forever, we'll have all the blessings and the beauty that God has in store for us through our Savior. We will live as the butterflies, the monarchs that God created us to be. That's how Paul can say. And that's how we can take to heart those words, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I'm certain when we get to heaven, our slogan might be, I'm loving it. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus, amen.